Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Welcome to the 151st episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And I'm joined by the, uh, the original crew here uh, of Real Hawk Talk. We've got Evan Hill at Evan and SEA on Twitter. Welcome, Evan. How you doing? I am doing well. That was fun what we just did. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to get into it, but... We will. we will. I think we should talk a little bit about it in a second. Um, before we do that, let me bring in the other two fellas. We've got Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. How are you, my friend? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, I remember we were all making fun of each other last year when you guys were going through the Trump thing, and now my country's become the joke for all our vaccines. So things are really flipped. Mm, yes. Yes. Uh, and last but certainly not least is. Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 on Twitter. How are you? Doing good. Good to be back. I've missed a couple of these. I know. I know. When's the last time you did a pod? Uh, I don't know. It's been like three, four weeks or something, probably. Yeah. It's crazy. There's been a little bit of like mental health breaks going on with the crew. It's 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 important. This is this is not about like some fly by night podcast that's going to be here for a couple of months. Like we're in it for the long haul. So, you know, you got to take your mental health breaks where you can get them so you can sustain. Like this is about, you know, constantly competing for uh, the, the championship, you know, right? Like, and I also just get really fucking sick of you, Brian. <laughs> Imagine what my wife feels like. I mean, <laughs> ugh. Yeah, she's invented ways to get out of the house. So, um, 
Yeah, Evan, you were mentioning it. Uh, I'm curious, like uh, live uh, live feedback. For folks that don't know, we had our first patron, which is uh, patreon.com slash hawkblogger, uh, happy hour. And it was, we did this thing, if people haven't done it before, it's called Gather Town. And you get in there and you kind of walk around and can have separate side conversations and play games and, and whatever. Um, what do you guys think? I only have one major feature like feedback request. I don't want to be blocked in by other people. So I have to take the long route across the map to find another conversation. I'm pretty sure I was, you got to explain people don't understand what that means. Okay. So you, so you move, you have like a little like character, like it's like a 2d game or whatever. And you use your up and down arrows to move left, right, you know, forwards, backwards, blah, blah, blah. And if there's somebody in front of you, you can't walk past them. Well, several people were blocking the main pathway at the top of the map, separating several group conversations. This forced me to find an alternate route to take the long way across the entire map to find another conversation. So it was great. It was a great platform, though. It was really fun. It was pretty fun. Jeff, Jeff, what what was your take? You seemed a little bit more on, on, uh, on the fence on this one. Well, it was funny. I was just watching Dana's little avatar and she was flying around. Like she was just running in circles. I think she had her thing with Luigi. So I couldn't stop. Like I, it was kind of overwhelming me at first, but once I figured out how to talk to everyone, we had a pretty good thing going at the end. We had a little group in the corner and we didn't have Evan the whole time. So everyone was kind of excited about that. That sounds really nice. Yeah. yeah there were a couple comments about that. So <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Well, Nathan, you and I, we before we only had a few minutes, but we got in a few hands of poker uh, before. Uh, how, it only how- took me three hands, but I was able to. Uh, uh, oh, what's the word when you uh, trick somebody into thinking you're bad and then you're you're good? Bluff. No. Uh, oh. Hustle. 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 I hustled. I hustled a couple of our patrons. <laughs> I lost two straight hands, but then on the last one, before I had to jump over here, I went all in, and I was like twenty-four bucks up. So. That was great. Uh, we steal all our patrons' nice. money on this show. How to put yep. the patrons in their place. Sorry, That's Jeff, right. what'd you say? I said we steal all our patrons' money on this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's all for good good cause. It's all for good cause. Um, anyway, it was fun. There was, I, I don't know, there's maybe like 20 people in there. I, 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 you know, 20, 25 folks, I'm not sure. Um, and uh, there's room for more. So I think we'll give it another go. Um, see, I think we got some good feedback and cool we met some folks from brazil from uh you know toronto i mean only so many canadians can can we really handle um vancouver vancouver we had new york to chicago salt lake city we met someone named cricket like that was cool in and of itself uh cricket's a patron that was cool so um yeah yeah it was cool and one of the other things I liked is, uh, you know, generally you expect it to just be a bunch of, uh, you know, guys talking Seahawks, but there's, there's, there's a number of women in there. That's cool. It was nice to have a, a mix and, and uh, just put some, some faces to names. Um, so that was cool. Um, Can I say something real quick? Always Evan. Oh. <laughs> Your guys' beards look excellent. Oh. I don't know. I feel like mine always looks really ratty in here. No, you, uh, you're, pr- I thought you were purposely looking or going for the Viking look. Yeah. Kind of. It know. looks good. You're, you're a sexy right. Viking. You're like a Norse God. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. A sexy Norse God. Let's be very clear about that. 
Brian, mm-hmm. it is a different sort of thing to see you with a beard. <laughs> Go on. I know I, you have something you want to say. I, 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 I think it looks good, frankly. Oh, thank you. Well, thank yeah, you. I have pure, nice intentions. Well, uh, it, it is it is purely inspired by the by you and uh, Nathan uh, telling me how to not have an itchy beard. So like, you, we we should get Zeus as a sponsor because <laughs> I wouldn't have otherwise gotten this far without a uh, without that tip. It makes you look wiser than you actually are. Well, yeah, that's not hard. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, okay. I think we probably talked about things that people don't want to hear about enough. Um, let's move on. So. Um, one of the funny patron questions that we got when we were talking to people was, uh, so what's the show going to be about tonight? (laughs) I'll tell you when we get there. So, um, I think there's, there's been some news that's come out. Um, I think, uh, we've got, we've got more information on the locket contract. We've got, uh, I think one of the things that was super interesting was, uh, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll lobbying Giovanni Bernard to come to Seattle. Like, I find well, that team fascinating. doesn't have a third down back. They need somebody that can catch the ball, pass protect a little bit. You know, they don't have anyone that can do that right now. I thought, uh, uh, Jeff, you beat me to it. God damn it! <laughs> it's got to be like the number one need on the team right now, right? Ah. Uh. Well, it, it is tempting just to have Nathan talk more about why running back is a top need on the team. But <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, it, I mean, I was surprised. I was surprised. Like, uh, what what were your takeaways from what that implications of that were? Um, like mine, I think is going to be different than yours, but let's start with you, Evan. No, I, I want to hear yours first. You want to hear mine first? <laughs> yeah, I want to hear yours first. Mine was nothing to do with the position. Like, that's a second and third takeaway, but it's like the fact that Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll were partnering on recruiting somebody was a stark contrast to where this off season began. Like that was the number one thing that stuck out to me. Like that these both, both these guys coordinated work together to try to bring a player in. To me, it shows that there's alignment on what the value of this person was and why they wanted him and that they were going to go after him together. Like, that was good news um, from my perspective. Um, probably bigger news than anything else related to, you know, an old running back. All right. I'll give you my very succinct perspective. On behalf of all Rashad Penny fans, I'm extremely offended that they felt there was even a need there. Do you have a nipple open for Gio Bernard if, if you were to change his mind or no? I, ha- I have one open nipple <laughs> for Giovanni's face. <laughs> Yeah. So you think you, I mean, you took it as a direct assault on Rashad Penny. Sounds like. I feel like this whole off season has been a direct assault on Rashad Penny's reputation with this football team. Like if, if there was any year where it was like, let's give Rashad a shot. Let's see what happens with, you know, giving him the full-time role. Doesn't look like he's ever going to get that opportunity with this team. And frankly, it's his own fault. You know, as a first round running back, he's expected to have the talent and produce at the level that, you know, he's a type of player you play no matter, no matter who else you have in the backfield. So yeah, it's uh, Rashad Penny. uh, That pick doesn't look good. Jeff, do you see it that way? Like, no, not at all. 
Okay, uh, tell, tell us what you thought. Joe say that too. So I see it more as uh, they're just very different players. Rashad Penny's not the third down catching back that Giovanni Bernard is. I see it more as a knock on Homer and DJ Dallas. Yes. Than anyone else. Um, There's a Travis Homer a, fan base out there. So be very careful, Jeff. Well, I, I was in a fight with one of those main uh, pushers of that take last year. Cause I made Cause I laughed at that all the time. So he's not a big fan of me. Um, yeah. So Giovanni Bernard sort of like what James White is in new England. That's the sort of player he is, especially at this point. And that's why he went to Tampa to play with Brady. So I look at it as I see it more as they don't see much in DJ Dallas or they don't, they don't see Travis Homer the way that certain people on Seahawks Twitter do. But my initial reaction went right to where, where Brian went because it came right after that Brandon Marshall report where he said that they had made up and their relationship is now better than ever, which did make me laugh considering a month ago, he said the relationship was at the point where it could not be fixed. And then four weeks later, it's, apparently better than ever but you do not want brandon marshall as your marriage counselor let's just be clear <laughs> on that like oh you guys can you're dead there's no way this is gonna work just break up uh yeah yeah i mean um uh, i do want to give pre-fight donut a little credit uh great comment in chat he said rashad penny is not a first second or third down back but other than that he's good god damn it <laughs> <laughs> you find the real gems in the chat i really oh, appreciate god. that that's a good line. Uh, yeah, I mean, Nathan, just to, just because uh, I want to hear you talk about running backs a little bit more. Um, if they had brought Giovanni Bernard in, like, how do you think that would have impacted the the offense? Like, I, I guess talk about Giovanni Bernard for a second, if you can. Like, what's your assessment of him? Like, what do you think he's worth even being interested in? Because obviously, a few teams were. Oh, I think you're on mute. Yep. Uh, it's pretty far in the rear view mirror at this point, but he had some, you know, solid years and, um, you know, he's, he was an exciting kind of player, kind of a scat back, kind of a James white type. Right. Um, and that's not something that they've really had, right. Like even with Travis Homer, right. And you know, whatever you think of his value as a path blocker, um, you know, he's not a dynamic pass catcher. Right. Um, and Bernard, when he is healthy, which who knows what he is when he's healthy anymore. Right. But like three or four years ago when he was healthy, he was, you know, an exciting player in that role. Um, so, you know, I mean, potentially, you know, if, if he's, you know, still a viable NFL player, like maybe that would have been interesting to see Russell with that kind of a player. I mean, they haven't really had that kind of guy, you know, for all the talk about, oh, he won't throw short, he won't dump off, this, that, and the other, you know, he's never really had exciting weapons there. And maybe Bernard could have been a little bit of that. And maybe that kind of shows what they want out of this offense. You know, this is not a player type that they've looked at, especially at the running, like for running back, right? I mean, the closest thing they ever had was JD McKissick, and that was a pretty brief experiment. So um, I think it's interesting. Um, but I mean, he's also an old running back. So I don't know how much to really read into it. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, I loved, I loved Giovanni Bernard, you know, earlier in his career. I thought he was a dynamic running back. I mean, I think everybody that watched him thought that. Um, you know, definitely a guy you'd love to have in your team, a playmaker. Uh, it just seems like he's pretty old and and injured, and like just surprising to me that there's like <laughs> folks like clamoring for his services. Uh, I think someone compared it a little bit to Fred Jackson, like. Uh, 
you know, a guy that's been dynamic at some point, but it's older. And then like, you're hoping you maybe get some veteran bonus from him. I, I don't know. It seemed a little odd. The other thing that I think was pointed out, at least I saw on Twitter, and I, I'm just going to trust the numbers that someone gave. Cause I haven't done the homework myself, but basically said that, that running backs had fewer targets in the Rams offense than they did in the Seahawks offense last year. So running backs as receivers is not, has not been a, a large part of um, the, the Sean McVay offense um, and, you know, what you'd think would be the Shane Waldron offense. So that again would be, would be interesting. Either that indicates that Shane Waldron is running a different, you know, maybe a different uh, emphasis or I don't know what, so that those, those are kind of just stuck out to me as kind of an odd, odd piece. I'm hoping that it was just because they particularly like Giovanni Bernard and not because this means that they're going to go out and like now find some other running back. Like I, I, I don't want them to go, get another, go get a receiver, like fill a need. Uh, don't spend more time on running back. Have you guys seen Giovanni Bernard lately? No. Or like you want to share a picture? Oh yeah, here let me do my thing. Um, Are we about to witness some Medi Lacy sort of? <laughs> yeah, actually, portrayals? Giovanni Bernard is now a fourth down back. Uh, <laughs> all right, give me give me a second here. Uh, I mean, so one other interesting with with uh, Bernard is um, Lockett today talked about um, how he expects to be moved around a lot more, and. So maybe they had something in mind with Bernard where he could play like just straight up slot receiver and they could use him on into rounds and, you know, little short crossers and stuff like that. I mean, who knows how creative that they may have been thinking about getting with him. I mean, he's got a pretty diverse receiving skill set. I'm really just kind of buying time. Give me one more second here. Well, I will say DJ Dallas, like he has receiver background. So like, what yeah is that, is, is that ah, real i'm really depressed that he didn't sign now this is awesome oh my I don't god know that does change everything right man this offseason's a failure yeah they fucked god, it up how did we miss this guy that's amazing yeah. oh my god well, i could not i could not grow that kind of mustache i do yeah, not he puts all the facial hair on this show to shame yeah that's that's fantastic i'm really impressed <laughs> I genuinely, yeah, like that. <laughs> yes. Um, you mentioned the Tyler Lockett thing. Let's go there for a second. So, so there, he did a press conference today. I've not heard, had a chance to hear it, although I did see some of Joe Fan's tweets about it. And you mentioned one of the things, which is Tyler Lockett said he expects to be moved around a lot more in this offense. Um, what did you guys make of that, Jeff? Any thoughts that that or other things that you heard about from that, that uh, presser? No, that was my biggest takeaway for sure. I, I didn't see the presser itself. I just saw all the reporters tweeting about it, but it, it sort of gives more credence that they're going to run an offense that's similar to what the Rams have done and which comes from a Shanahan style of offense where they have moved Lockett around more than when Bevel had him. Shoddy did a little bit, but that was just always – it just seemed the offense got stagnant last year. Lockett's had comments on that the last few years. So it seems to give more credence that they're going to run a different style of offense that we've seen, maybe a more horizontal look. And the fact that they told DK and Tyler this, I think that's a reason to be optimistic. 
I think so too. The what the comment that stood out to me a little bit, and I want to hear Evan your point and your thought about who this is in reference to. Is Lockett said, "We've got to just we can't we got to take what the defense gives us and not just force it deep when they're taking that away." Is that a who's that who's that directed to? Is that directed at Russell? That's one option. Is that who you think it's directed at? Probably. Nathan, what's your thought? I don't know. I mean, everybody has a different take on this, and you'd be shocked to find out that most of them confirmed people's priors. The most common practice on Twitter is confirming one's own priors. So. And, I, you know, I'm 100% guilty here. I made a Shane Waldron joke when, <laughs> on one of those, right? So, um, I mean, I don't know. Lockett had some comments at the end of the year saying the same thing. And everybody was like rushing to say, Oh, it's about Russ. Oh, it's about shoddy. And like, I read it like literally 15 or 20 times. And it was just like nonsensical to me. It was like a lot of words, but like extremely player say nothing speak. The thing that struck me as super weird with the comments today is he's talking about how, you know, in the first half, we didn't have to adjust. And then second half, we just had to learn how to adjust. And I'm thinking like, okay, Shoddy has been an offensive coordinator for six years. Not with Seattle, right? But in total. Um, Lockett is now within his sixth year last year. Russell is what, 10th year, right? Something like that? Or eighth year? How How is anyone, right, other than like DK, how is anyone on that team having to learn how to adjust? Like that just struck me as such an incredibly... Like, I don't know. I mean, I, my instinct is to say it's just a nothing comment. But, like, if that's really true, like, man, how? <laughs> how are you guys not know how to adjust midseason? It's funny. So, like, again, I think context is crucial in these quotes that you don't get from Twitter and you don't get even from the, the, the paper when they write articles. You have to listen to the pressure. You have to listen to the, how the question was asked and what was the preceding question and anything like that. My guess without any of that context is that this was about Shane Waldron and it was about Brian Schottenheimer. So like based on, and I'm basing that off of two things. One, you know, a lot of his other questions were, were, were in response to how things are going to be different with Shane Waldron. Um, and two, uh, that I think that, I mean, you've heard DK talk about it. I think that we've heard consistently that this, the Seahawks receiving group at least felt like the offensive scheme did not adjust in the second half of the year. Like it just kept doing the same thing even though defenses were adjusting to them and like we all saw it. And I think they saw that. So, um, I mean, I took it as, you know, on a scale of like five stars being like amazing, fantastic, super exciting news. And one star being like nothing news. I took it as like a two and a half star, you know, set of news that, that we've already heard, or they've already got the indication that there's going to be more movement and less predictability to where they're going to line up. And that there's clear emphasis on having adjustments to adjustments. Like uh, that's been, I think that's been pretty consistent and look, I'm going to go back to it. I mean, I know it's making the rounds. We talked about it with uh, the Rams fans getting so excited about uh, Matt Stafford solving all their, their problems, but I still think that the biggest move this off season in the entire division can absolutely be Shane Waldron. 
I don't think that's a stretch that, that like, it's not saying it will be, but I think it has the potential to absolutely be the biggest move. And if you get, if you get 20% more out of Russell Wilson, if you get 30% more out of Russell Wilson, that changes, that changes the, the makeup of the whole division from my perspective. And, and I think that's potential. I think that, I think that could happen if you get a better coordinator, Jeff, you looked like you're dying to get in there. What do you want to say? Well, it's just funny. My, like my take from the Rams thing was I think losing Brandon Staley is going to be the biggest offseason move. Uh, I think he was like a once in a lifetime kind of coordinator. And Great. I remember when Vic Fangio left the Niners, how much different they looked defensively. And I know I think the Rams will still be good defensively. They have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but just reading about Staley and the more I like have heard about him and just the way he just had them going right away in the year with no off season. I think pulling him out of the equation and putting Raheem Morris, who's by all accounts, just like a run of the mill, fine defensive coordinator. I think that will change things. I think that's fair. And maybe it's the combination of those two, right? Like, I mean, we had a lot of conversations, guys, about Schottenheimer versus Staley was a mismatch and not in our favor um, last year. So, I mean, based on what you've seen so far, like, Nathan, what's, what, what, what do you think is like a, a reasonable expectation about how, how much different things could be with Waldron? N- knowing like as much or as little as you know right now, like what, what's like the range of possibilities in your, in your perspective? I think it could be a huge change. I mean, I think they're not like complete opposite types of offenses, but like what Seattle has ran traditionally, which has been an extremely vertical um, uh, offense and now going to, you know, something out of the McVeigh tree, which will still have some of those elements, uh, elements obviously, but like, you know, McVeigh focuses really heavily on stressing teams horizontally Um and not in like a Mike Leach way necessarily either. Right. I mean, he, there's depth right to that offense, but it, it's still a very horizontal thing. And, and I think that the emphasis is very different. Right. And, and there's going to be differences in terms of like the running game. I mean, I don't think that they're quite as uh, there. It's not like they never run a wide zone or anything like that, but that'll become a much heavier part of the offense. So potentially we could be looking at something that, you know, mirrors what the Rams have been doing. And I think that's a, a, a big change from what we've seen for basically all of Pete Carroll's tenure here. Yeah. Evan, do you want to say anything about this or can I ask you a different question? Change the subject. You can change the subject. So you, you heard the news as well that, that um, Seahawks players, not just Seahawks players, but at least Seahawks players are going to be um, declining to attend voluntary uh, uh, workouts. You, you, you heard that news? Yeah. Came out today. Yeah, do you want to share a little bit like your interpretation of what that news is and and what your reaction was to it? Yeah, so this is for those that don't know, I'm pretty sure the first step of the off season for for teams in terms of workouts and conditioning and just getting the team generally together. Um, It's uh, um, what does it stand for? It's OTAs, but it's uh, what. What is it? Training activities? I don't know. I forget what it stands for. But the point is, they're voluntary. The team is, players are not mandated to appear. Um, now, the only thing I will note that is slightly concerning to me is there are several, I would not be, how do I, re, how do I, let me rephrase this. Um, there are contracts 
with players among other football clubs where if they don't attend OTAs, voluntary OTAs, they do have de-escalators in their contracts that affect their base salary for the, for the, for that season. And it's not significant. I mean, it's a couple hundred K, I guess that's significant as relative, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, from like a health perspective, I, I think it makes obviously total sense. Like, like these dudes are professionals. I trust them to work out. We should, I hope the coaching staff trusts them to work out and condition themselves and in with their own trainers and their own environments, you know, they're adults, they can do this uh, at least while, you know, vaccinations uh, continue to uh, dramatically increase. I think it makes all the sense in the world. Um, the only thing that kind of bothered me is, there was some folks in the NFL media who made it sound like the NFL PA was boycott, you know, encouraging their players to boycott these OTAs. I just think it's super important to highlight that these are voluntary for 99.99% of players. They don't have to attend these many and some don't. Um, I don't think it's a huge deal. Now, if we got to training camp and suddenly players were like, and eh, we're still not practicing then I think that's a completely different situation, but this is a very informal, you know, step one of the off season plan. I, I I'm not worried at all. Uh, Nathan or Jeff, do you guys have any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't either. So moving on a um, couple things. One um, Demarius Randall. Seahawks signed him since since uh, we last spoke. And, and those numbers just came out, by the way. Yeah, hold that hold that thought. So they signed him, and the news was not that they signed him, but that they planned to play him at corner. Um, he had been on the team last year for part of the team at safety, and a number of people then interpreted that to mean that the Seahawks are done at cornerback. Um, this they signed him pretty much immediately after Quentin Dunbar signed with the lions um, for under a mill, like I think 900,000 or something like that. Um, So I'm curious, like Nathan is, is your thought that they're done at corner? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I mean, outside of, you know, maybe a later round flyer in the draft. um, I don't know what the other options are really (laughs) more like, uh, even if they didn't want to be done, I don't know what what the options really are, right? Yeah, I mean, Jeff, what's your thought here? Yeah, I think it'll be a draft pick. I don't know. I, I have no idea what they're going to do with these draft picks and how they're going to manage this, but I think there's there's two veterans still out there that make sense. Casey Hayward is a free agent still. He played outside corner for Gus Bradley last year. He's a, he's a little smaller than a typical Seattle corner, but he played in the Gus Bradley scheme last year so he could fit. And it doesn't seem like the Richard Sherman thing will happen, but the longer he sits out there, the more you wonder. And he said he's going to wait until after the draft. So Seattle could be one of the teams that is trying to get a young guy, as he indicated. But just based on the numbers, I think it will be a draft pick or a couple undrafted guys and, I don't expect, uh, I don't expect him to sign Sherman. Yeah. I mean, when, when you're spending uh, all your money on Giovanni Bernard uh, uh, for your seventh running back, it's hard to fit, find money for 
what would be a starting cornerback. Um, can, can we uh, maybe pause here and, and we're talking about like Sherman stuff? Can we get a quick like recap of where they are with the cap? Yeah, Evan, what you want to take a second and, and uh, last I heard, they're at like five to six million dollars in cap space. Um, that was before they signed Wood, so was it? That was I look, I'm looking now over the cap has them at eight million. Oh, but is that oh the lock always up to date with all the signings? I think they're up to. I think all their signs have gone through now. And the extension and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. I think they're eight million. I think there's room for one more move, essentially. I but but there should be room for more than that because you don't need as much for draft picks when you've only got like negative yeah, five. Picks. Three of them. It's one plus. Um, so they won't need to budget really anything outside of like four hundred thousand dollars for draft picks. Right. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. So. I'm not letting the Sherman dream die, at least for me. So Sherman's comment for people that didn't hear, he was on the, his, his podcast. Uh, I can't remember with who is it Dan Patrick or uh, I don't Chris know. Consworth. who Chris Consworth. Yeah. And his comment was, you know, the teams are basically waiting to the draft to find out what they get there. And, you know, him being 33 means that people are kind of willing to wait. And um, so he's going to see what comes on, you know, becomes available after the draft. Um, that's fine by me. And I still think, I still think it can happen. I, I think there's money. There's always ways to make room for the money. There's, there's, uh, there's plenty of moves that they have not made on the cap that they could use to fit it. So don't tell me it's a money thing. And so if it's not a money thing, it's really a, is this a good fit? And do they, are they interested? And I'm sorry. Like the team would be meaningfully better. Like I would have significantly more confidence in this team if they signed Richard Sherman. Like, I don't know if there's a move they could make um, left that would up my confidence more than them signing Richard Sherman. Like, let's be super clear about this though. The finances are not a prohibitor. Like we'll say more like they could easily throw him a two year deal, add on a third year void, year like they've been doing with all these other extensions and contracts they've been doing and you know have his cap it easily under two three million dollars and maybe not two million but under three three point five million dollars in the first year like this is absolutely doable the only issue it becomes slightly prohibitive is if he's set on a one-year deal where obviously all the cap is absorbed into one year then it could be an issue but if you could do that with void years yeah, you can, but some players aren't receptive to that, like Jaron Reed, but Richard Sherman isn't Jaron Reed. So. Oh, my God. Have we talked about that? We did, but we can talk about it some more if you want. That I was mean, one of the stupidest things of the offseason. Yeah, it was very, he literally said, I'm going to take $3 million less to play for the Chiefs, but that's a whole to- I think that's a whole separate yeah, topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I just – I think we should make it clear, though, like – they have the cap space. They can open up more cap space. If they want Richard Sherman. They'll get him. They won't let finances prohibit them. It, it's it, to me, it's fascinating that there there are there are like fans that are super dead set against him coming back. One because they just they they didn't like the way he handled himself the last few years. Um, that's that's their their prerogative. And there's another group of fans that are dead set against coming back because they're like, oh, you guys are just caught in the like the old times he's an old man. He's slow. He can't cover anybody. Like, why do you want him? And I'm like, 
we're watching different football when Richard Sherman's on the field. First of all, Richard Sherman was never an athletic freak. That was not his gift. He, he is a cerebral player. He reads quarterbacks. He reads routes. He anticipates. He's a guy that if he wanted to, he could play cornerback until his late thirties, maybe not be at the top level, but he could still be effective, jump routes, understand concepts and play, play really effectively. So it's, it, it, to me, it's less about his age and more about, you know, money and whether they'll, they'll be able to come like, whether, whether they both are interested in making it work. So, um, yeah, to me that that's like, I'm waiting on that. I'm not, I'm not at all closing on that. I have a, I have a simple question for you, Brian, and it's a yes or no. Does Pete Carroll want Richard Sherman back? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Really? You believe it that strongly? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was not a Pete Carroll thing to get rid of Richard Sherman. That was a John Schneider thing. And it was it was almost completely cap and like injury related. I think I think Schneider was making the decision based off what they were going to spend on Sherman and their pro- prognostication of how how he's going to come back that year from that injury and decided that they just didn't want to be caught up in it. So um, Pete Carroll and Richard Sherman are thick as thieves. I, I, there's no love, like there's no... Love lost makes it sound like they have love lost, but no, like they're, 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 uh, they're, they're strong relationship there. That's not, that's not the issue. Um, but there are a couple other things. Um, go for the juicy one. And I don't know, like Jeff, how much you're able to share, but there's, there's been a rumor floating around about another potential meaningful signing that they could make um at the linebacker spot and it's not the guy that everyone's thinking um you willing to share or am i gonna have to just uh out you oh yeah i'll share uh well yeah it's not the whole kj Wright market is really weird because i feel bad he went on all those media tours and said oh i want my big money and i don't know if he's gonna come close to that he might get like three million bucks this year i don't know but anyway um, I'm not sure if it's a linebacker or maybe a, an interior defensive line spot, but there are rumblings around. And you saw some of the Seahawks film people talk about Alden Smith. And I, I've heard that they potentially are exploring him. I don't know much more beyond that. His body type is a little different than Bruce Irvin. He's a little taller and a little thicker, but maybe they're looking at him at a linebacker at the Bruce Irvin role, linebacker rush the passer on third down, or maybe they're looking at him as a three tech where Jay don't have a real pass rusher in that spot for a nickel, but Alden Smith's the guy that they tried to trade for last year. I had heard that if Carlos Dunlap had left, he was a guy that they were going to probably target to fill his spot. And I'm guessing just that while he's sitting out there and while some of these names are falling through the cracks, they probably want to see if they can find a role for him if the price is right. So they cannot sign another edge player, can they? Like, just to recap, like, edge-wise, you've got Carlos Dunlap, Kerry Hyder, Rasheem Green, LJ Collier, uh, Benson Mayoa, Daryl Taylor, Alston, uh, Alton Robinson. Alton Robinson. Right? Like, that's eight, seven seven guys for two spots and really maybe at most four, if you're getting a heavy rotation. Well, there's a couple of things there. They don't have 
the well the well linebacker yet or the well, so that's different that's different we, let's come back to that but like they don't really if, have the three tech unless it's lj collier who's their three technique nickel pass rusher yeah and green could be that too Rasheem green and, and collier can do that yeah or um, two prong where maybe you trade one of those two guys and you bring in alton smith and that's how you get another draft pick well, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know that you're going to get anything for LJ Collier or Seam Green, um, but maybe there's a trade you make. I guess my point is, if they're if they are, let's say for a second they are interested in Alden Smith, it doesn't make sense to me. It would be at an edge. Like I just, it has to be at the Sam, and it, at least unless you guys think about something else that I'm missing. But like, if you're Alden Smith, you're signing up to do what? Carlos Dunlap's easily ahead of you. Kerry Hyder is definitely the five tech. So then you're already a rotational player. Well, you can line up all three of those on third down. I just don't, first of all, I don't see Alden Smith as a three tech at all. He, he does not profile to me as a three tech at all. He's well, I think Hyder can move inside though, right? Hyder can. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. What, what draft pick, like what, round draft pick would you take right now for LJ Collier? Seven. Yes. Okay, sure. But like, would you take a... Wait, really? Oh, you would do what? it for seventh. Really? Yeah, probably. You would take a seventh round pick for LJ Collier right now. Probably. I said fifth. Yeah, I think it would be harder to go lower than a fifth. You're not going to get a fifth for LJ Collier. No way in hell. No one's going to offer a fifth for LJ Collier. How do we get Jim Nagy a GM job somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that would change the, the, uh, the equation. Marquise Blair for <laughs> first. Is Rasheem Green safe on this team? No. I don't know if any, like most of those guys are safe. I don't know. I don't think Benson Mayo is safe at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, I don't know if Green is in too much danger, but if they sign Smith, then I think all bets are off for, yeah, like you said, even a guy like Mayoa. Well, who's who's safe? Carlos Dunlap's safe. Kerry Hyder's safe. Like, those guys aren't going anywhere. Jamal oh. Adams is safe. No, no, come on. We're talking about edge guys. Yeah, we, he's an edge pass rush. <laughs> That's true. Well, That's the well, other thing. <laughs> Man, it's I'm half kidding. Joke, not kidding. He not literally play edge. He would, he would not t- he, they, those guys would not leave the field. So, like, yes, jokes aside. But I think okay, but is there actually some like diminishing value. Like we're talking about, you're kind of talking about a bit with like Smith that he's already kind of down the pecking order away. But like, if you're then talking about like, you know, how much rotational path rush depth do you really need? If you are, I mean, really though, like if you are planning to blitz your safety on like 20% of snaps, like, do you really need to invest more cap space there? And no, it's not like he's going to be super spendy or anything, but. You guys are so on the wrong side of this. You guys are your smart ass. No, this is an honest question. You're, wrong, you're on the wrong side of history on Jamal Adams. You're going to regret your takes. He is going to be part of why this defense is really good. And and then uh, he's going to walk because they haven't extended him yet. You, well, that's, a, that's a separate topic. And, and they will extend him. So you guys can take your, your pessimism somewhere else. But, but uh, Just like the defense though, was like, really good in the first half of uh, 2020, right? Well, 
Evan, it was one of the best defenses in the NFL for the second half. So wow. <laughs> I know I'm just being an asshole. Beat <laughs> oh, yeah. up on the uh, Colt McCoys of the world. Yeah. Well, well actually, know, they were good. They were legitimately good, and you know it. But but uh, lost anyway. to a backup quarterback in the playoffs. But yeah, really good, really good. Gave up like 30 points. Yeah, yeah. that sucked. Um, that was not the defense that was the reason. But in any event, um. Yeah, I guess I just the Alden Smith thing is weird to me. If he if he actually does, if they think he can play Sam, that I'm excited about. Because here's why. Um, Jordan Brooks is your is your will. He played Will last year. People might have forgotten, but KJ moved to Sam. And so if Jordan Brooks is your longer term answer there, Alden Smith, if he can play Sam, I don't know if he can or not. That's also a pass rush position on the field. Um, that's why they had Bruce Irvin play that role. So that I would be super excited to have Alden Smith, Bobby Wagner, and Jordan Brooks as your linebackers, and then Kerry Hyder and Carlos Dunlap as your edge players in a base defense. Like that sounds fun. Like I would be in on that. So here's the question: Would you rather sign Alden Smith or KJ Wright? Alden, because it's new. <laughs> Everyone's going to hate me for it. I mean, KJ's been great, and I love KJ. KJ's going to be pissed at me for saying it, too. But uh, KJ's great. He's a known quantity. I would not be upset if it was him. But Alden Smith has upside to me that KJ doesn't. I mean, they're, like, fundamentally different players. So they totally are. Like KJ, like Alden Smith has zero upside as a coverage guy. Like he is a massive liability there. So we don't know that. Uh, you don't know that. I'm. I feel comfortable saying that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like again, like if you are going to be blitzing uh, Jamal Adams more than you would a typical safety how often are you going to be able to now use Smith as a pass rusher from the Sam spot? Right. And so is he just like, you know, I mean, not that the Sam role is a super valuable role, but I don't know. feels like maybe you're, I don't know. All right, Nathan, get off, get off the, uh, the, the, the wall there. You want KJ Wright or Alden Smith? I think for this team, I want KJ. Okay. Safe pick. Safe yeah. Pick. Evan. KJ Wright or Alden Smith? Who is it? Who do you want for your Sam linebacker? I think it's KJ. Played at an insanely high level last year. And, you know, we like, we got a lot of edge. We got a lot of pass rushers. There's a lot of depth there. And I think KJ is just the safer pick. Jeff? Yeah, I'm with these guys. I think that based on what the roster has, I think KJ offers unique things that the rest of the guys don't. I just think his, like what you were saying about Sherman, I think his game ages really well, but I just think the league's, and I think you can get him at a price that we probably all didn't think was possible because his market is dead. And Dallas was like the one team sniffing around. And if you can get him in for like three, four million bucks, like I think it's sort of a no brainer. Yeah, you guys all probably like buy. I was gonna say Microsoft stock, but one of you I know would buy Microsoft. Stock. Like you know, you just buy the like workhorse, know what you're gonna get kind of things. Come on, 
KJ is a guy that we were talking about as maybe the best player on the defense last year. <laughs> like, it's I not know. like we're just taking like uh, Cody Barton or something. <laughs> Anyone they sign that makes Cody Barton a bench player, I am supportive of. So I will definitely not be upset if, if it's KJ Wright. Um, on the KJ Wright front, I, a little bit of news there for people. Like, he was basically selling himself to Dallas hard. Like that was a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> to watch it happen. To be honest, he's like, "It's my, it's a dream for me to play there." And they were like meeting with them. And Dan Quinn is the the, the defensive coordinator now. And there's a lot of reasons to think that might have worked out. And then Dallas came out publicly, which is weird. And they're like, "Yeah, no, we're not not gonna be looking at KJ Wright." First of all, that's a weird thing to say. Like, do you, is that common for like teams in your opinion to come? No, we're not interested in this player. Like that doesn't happen very often, right? No. I'm trying to think of an example where that's happened. (laughs) Trying to think of an example of Pete Carroll saying, no, we don't want that player. (laughs) I mean, you're with trades, right? Like, no, we're not pursuing you know, a trade for that person, but I, I can't with just a free agent. It's weird. And, uh, you know, KJ yeah, is know. older. What's that, Jeff? Well, I think especially with a guy, like maybe you hear that with more of like a red flag or someone with a checker. Oh, yeah, yeah. But for like an Antonio Brown, maybe, but a KJ Wright? No, <laughs> that's it's pretty, out of, it's pretty big outlier. Well, and that was, that's kind of my, like what pops to mind for me is, is there something going on with KJ that we don't know about? I mean, he seems like from all accounts to be like the nicest dude and Mr. Mild mannered, but like for a team to like openly say, no, we're not pursuing this is so strange. Or maybe he's just asking for a ton of money. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I can sour a relationship very quick. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of the logic of it. Um, the only time that it makes somewhat sense is if it's like a super high profile player that fans are just like incessantly oppressed is all over. And the team just wants to like make it clear. This isn't going to happen. I can kind of see that this is just not that situation. I mean, he, he's a third or fourth tier free agent at this point in his career. And there's a pretty limited set of teams that are four, three defenses in the beginning that, that he even makes sense for. So like, Anyway, I, I thought it was odd. And to me, I I don't know. We'll see. But I almost feel like it's never his only option. But it feels like the Seahawks are in the driver's seat in terms of leverage with KJ Wright, I would have to think. And I have to think they're thinking the same thing. Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this with other players. And, you know, Dunlap was a pretty big exception. But it's hard for team or for players to kind of swallow their pride and come back and like and that's even for players who don't do the give me my money tour that kj did which i don't blame him for at all i mean dude deserves it and i'm shocked he didn't get it but like he very publicly like talked about how he wasn't going to take a discount he wants his big payday and then like if he comes back to seattle on some like kind of rinky dink deal i mean that would be uh the only deal he's gonna get if, if if like do any of you think he like the max and I think this is a not in close with you. I think the max he'll get this year would be 3 million. That'd be the max. I, th- I think he's looking at like a couple mil at most. Jeez. Somebody's going to get an absolute steal. I mean, this is stupid. The, the, 
it, it's always this is one of those things where like you can like most fans can look at it and again like barring something weird about KJ that we don't know like this is a situation where 32 NFL GMs are like we'll give you a vet minimum deal and fans can look at it and be like this guy's still really good you're all dumb like and like that's almost certainly going to be the case like he's either going to back to Seattle and make them meaningfully better or he's going to show up in some random team and some fan who's never heard of KJ before is going to be like oh god this guy's good like I mean it's uh it's so dumb and it's just like every NFL front office is having a massive brain fart right now it's bizarre so his previous deal was two years 15.5 million entering the offseason free agency I assume I assume he was looking to top that would you give him that deal right now no what not even close. I mean, what are the guys getting that kind of money right? There's nobody signing for that kind of money right now. I don't think Sherman's going to get that kind of money. Like, yeah, the that's crazy. The league's devalued the off-ball linebacker position. I think analytics has shown, although certain teams like to draft them in the first round. I'm not naming any names here. But, um, yeah, I think the, and the, you hear what Sherman said, you just – the NFL is sort of alluding to what Nathan said before. The NFL gets ideas in their head. And this one is a combination of the off-ball linebacker thing and age. And with older players, classic personnel guys always think we can replace them in the draft for a young guy who can run, especially that position. You need to be able to run. I'm sure they're looking at KJ. They look at his age. They look at his position and they, they just don't value him. And he's limited to a four, three team. So I'm looking at teams that have money right now. Like, unless he wants to go play for the Jets, where they do run the same scheme that he's played in, where I don't know if you're an older guy in your career, do you want to go play for a rebuilding team? How is he not a Patriot yet? How is Bill Belichick not all over this? That's actually a great call. I could see him playing for the Patriots for sure. He'd be a good fit there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I have one more question for you guys before we we wrap up, if that's okay. So, um, So it's the season of mock drafts. And it's, it's particularly painful to try to like look at mock drafts as a Seahawks fan because you have to wait for the mock drafts that go into 17 rounds before you actually get Seahawks, uh, you know, picks. I saw a mock draft, uh, a prominent one, that had the Seahawks picking a quarterback in the, in the, with their first pick in the second round. I already see reactions, and this is good. This is why I'm asking. Um, what would your reaction be if the Seahawks picked a quarterback with their first pick? Nathan, you, you, you're like raring to go. Tell me what, tell me what's on your mind. The content would be amazing. <laughs> like the content from Russ, he would tweet a Bible verse every day for uh, ever. And it would be the pettiest Bible verse he could find every day, <laughs> every day. And I mean, like that would be amazing uh and and just for like for him to make a big deal you know about everything that happened this offseason and now it's like oh him and pete are recruiting giovanni bernard together it's all good and then for them to turn around and just shove a knife right in his back uh i that all aside i don't know how anyone could look at it and think that's a wise use of resources (laughs) like Second round quarterbacks, not the highest success rate to begin with. And then like you, you supposedly are trying to take advantage of some kind of a window here. Like, I don't know. It'd be wild. Jeff. 
Yeah, I don't know how closely you guys have followed this Packers situation the last two years, but they basically did the exact same thing, but theirs was in the first round. And it's completely soured their relationship with their quarterback, even though he had an MVP season last year. And the whole tone of the franchise is still comes back to that draft pick and where Rodgers is and how it's limited their spending and how they haven't supported him. I think it would be so reminiscent of that. Yeah, maybe it pisses off Russell this year, but a year later, all of a sudden they're left with a team that didn't get better and they have a backup quarterback on their bench and Rodgers is pissed off and going on shows and taking shots at the front office. And I think it would be – they're in a window to win. Every move they've made this offseason is to win now. I think that would be insanely stupid on a number of levels. It would affirm my belief that this is the most exhausting sports team <laughs> in sports history. But, uh, I mean, isn't it worth it just to see Russell take then the next year and, and host Jeopardy? Like, <laughs> Oh, God, that would be painful. Be the most boring episode of Jeopardy. <laughs> it would be so corny. Oh, my God. It's Please so don't bad. do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I'm with you guys. Um, although, I mean, setting aside everything that happened this offseason, I hate the team's approach to quarterback. They mm-hmm. absolutely should be drafting quarterbacks. And I do want them to spend real capital on that position. And I don't want them to just rely on Geno Smith. So, like, all the things you said, I agree with. Um, I, and if they had a normal draft set of draft capital and they spent a pick on a quarterback, I would be supportive of it. I totally would be. It's more that there's three picks and I don't want one of them to be quarterback this year. So I am still all in on center. That's what I want that first pick. They need a center or a receiver with that first pick. I just mm. I want like receiver for me. I would love it, but it just feels, I don't it's know. Just, have so to... It's going to be, it's a really good receiver draft. And we've learned in the last two drafts, the second round is the sweet spot of where you should draft receivers. Yeah, yeah. The last two drafts, there's a clear hole in their team. It's the strength of the class. I think center would be the best pick. If they took a receiver, I wouldn't be upset. Yeah. No, those are the two two, two positions I would not be upset about. Um, corners, another. Like, those are the three that kind of jump out to me. But Gino Smith didn't resign, right? Not yet. Mm-hmm. Probably will. Nathan's buddy has been beating people up, so who knows? Like... They're, they're going to need somebody. Yeah, that was unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, on that note, I uh, want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, if you haven't already, click subscribe. Click the bell to get notified when we go live. You never know. Like tomorrow, something could break on the Seahawks, and we would have to have an emergency pod and talk about it. So that's how you get notified when we go live. Patreon.com slash HawkBlogger is where you get in to the Slack channel where we talk. Um, I swear to God, that is the place I get most of my Seahawks news now um, because I've turned off notifications for Twitter. There's too many notifications. But when the Slack channel comes up and someone's starting to tweet about signings, I'm like, oh, okay. So it's a great place. Good group of people. People treat each other well. Um, we're trying to build a community of, of like-minded, you know, uh, respectful Seahawks fans. And I uh, would love to have you join. And as you know, the the proceeds go to charity. So um, uh, win, win, win all around. Um, we will try to get the podcast posted as soon as possible. Our uh, our podcast crew is is super.
famous. If you don't know, we've got people working for all the famous people, not just for this show, because this is the launch pad. Uh, no one for, here. No, we're not here. talking about anyone here. We, we don't have any talent on, no. this, on this show. It's all, <laughs> we our, all our talent in the group chat. And just leave it, it's exactly right. So, um, yes, we will get the pod post as soon as possible. And uh, folks, uh, have a great week. Enjoy the, the sun in Seattle. You know, this is the weather that people look for. Uh, people in Arizona are jealous of, so, um, get out there, enjoy it. And, uh,